That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. It's Lent 5, it's Lent 5, it's the fifth Sunday in Lent, and I'm just pumped. It's just so exciting. No flowers in the church, lots of long, drawn out silences. It's just yeah. so so effervescent. How's it going for you guys in uh, Poo York City? It's actually really good. Um, people are coming out for Lent, and uh, so far, and uh, you know, people are having a holy Lent, and uh, it's been exciting. I'm I'm really actually looking forward to uh, to uh, Holy Week and uh, Easter and all of the festivities that go with that. So um, I don't know. You know, we're going back to Common Cup here in the Diocese of New York, which I'm pretty psyched about. And, um, and so, yeah, feeling good, Billy Ray. <laughs> awesome. Or it's feeling good. Yeah. How you, what is it? It's looking good, Billy Ray. Feeling good, Lewis. So I'm feeling <laughs> good, Lewis. So, but, uh, yeah, so Lent 5, you know, I mean, I've uh, uh, not maintained anything, so I have thrown myself on the mercy of Christ once again. Oh. <laughs> and uh, there, it, there it is. And so, um, but, yeah. And uh, as always, the fifth Sunday of Lent has probably one of the most amazing comics uh, oh, by Thomas Kremner ever. What's up? Uh, I just wanted to do a cheap plug because I want to talk about the colic too. But if I don't say it now, I won't why say don't it. You do, why two, don't you do your two cheap, cheap plugs? Then? Well, because then you know the viewers drop mm. off. They like. Yeah, you know, it's true. It's true. So why yeah, don't you give like, your oh. why don't you give your cheap plugs right now, and uh, I'll give one too. <laughs> One is well. I'll give three cheap plugs. Well, why are you and, well, you, you, cheap plugs? You, well, you can do the you can no, do the no, story you, makers you, one. I'll no, let no, you. No, I wasn't going to do that one. Oh well, I'll say story makers, best children's ministry content ever. Somebody just DM'd me on Twitter, which y'all can do, listeners. Uh, they were like, "What's that children's ministry you always talk about?" And I was like, "It's story makers. It's the best." So, uh, Mockingbird Conference. Uh, this mm-hmm. uh, episode, obviously, for Lent five. Uh, so you'll get you'll be listening to this listener as you are heading into um, your first April Sunday that you're preaching, April third, Lent five, um, and at the end of April we have the Mockingbird Conference in New York. It begins on Thursday, the twenty eighth of April, and concludes on Saturday, the thirtieth. So if you're a preacher, use that continuing ed budget to get your high need in New York City. Uh, flights are cheap. We've got some hotel rooms reserved, and it's going to be really an amazing uh, conference. And a live taping of Same Old Song, so you can see us, um, see the eye rolls that are never really evident just listening to the podcast, uh, and Jake's intense looks of boredom as I just go on and on. No, it's great. You'll see it in real life. Um, The other thing is, as I I think I said this last week, uh, we are in the search for an associate rector at St. Albans Waco, the church where I... Uh, serve. So if you are interested in a job at a wonderful Episcopal parish in Central Texas where the cost of living is low and the Holy Spirit is high uh, and the gospel is preached every Sunday uh, and you're looking for, for a place to do that and you're an ordained Episcopal minister, uh, reach out. 
let me know. Yeah. So now we're That's outside. All. If I wasn't in Calvary St. George, I'd love to work for you, Aaron. Well, so. I'd love to let you work for me, Jake. So, what a, what a day I that don't would know. Be. One day, one day. All right, what's your uh, cheap plug? Oh no, you said the Me undies. I was gonna, I was gonna plug Mockingbird, and so okay. um, really looking forward to that conference. Um, and uh, I believe you're one of the featured speakers, so the opening night. So everybody come. Uh, it is. Yeah. Watch I'm Aaron Johnson. Well, I'm just gonna steal wisdom. a lot of. I'm gonna steal a lot of Carrot Top's early material. <laughs> I feel like a lot of that stuff's been forgotten. So I've got my trunk already. For those of you who don't know, Carrot Top was a terrible comic in the early '90s that brought a trunk on stage and pulled out props. Who was like you know, the last prop comedian? Do you know about Carrot Top? What happened? One of the no, I, no. Should I? Oh, do I have to oh eat my God. words now? I'm sorry. No, I know he, was, he got really jacked. Like he yeah, got right. he built. He's like, like a bodybuilder massive. now. Yeah, he massive. was like a skinny redhead, and, and now he's like Hulk Hogan. Kind of bizarre. And well, so yeah, I saw Jesus him on Joe loves Rogan. Him too. So yeah. so I, I mean, I, I heard about that he was on Joe Rogan. So anyway, <laughs> Jake has too much time, too not enough time to listen to Joe Rogan. He's praying, and he's serving the Lord. I gave I gave Joe Rogan up for Lent. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I've you know my Lenten goals are going great. I have gained even more weight than I planned. So it's just that's good. Uh, Fantastic. I noticed, man, my pants were way tight. Good grief. <laughs> okay. And so anyway, so I'm switching to sweats. Switching to sweats. <laughs> You're wearing your 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 clericals that are that have a lot of like little lycra woven into them. The clericals, the robes don't lie, man. When the vestments are like the cinchers, little pops off. That's you're just ooh, I've crossed the line. So anyway, little um, little uh, Episcopal vestment uh, insider fact for those of you that don't wear vestments: uh, the little ropes that we tie around our robes. And it's not called a robe, but you don't know the real term, so I'm just gonna say robe. Yeah. The the ropes that we tie around they're called a girdle or a cincture or a cincture. But girdle is the one I like because there's sometimes of the year I'm like, yep, I I think that's mm. accurate. It's holding me together. I've had and several... it doesn't slim. It just causes a bulge above and a bulge below. <laughs> you look like, more a, like a figure like eight. a balloon with a rubber band right around the middle. <laughs> it's great. And the worst is, is when you sit down and it pops off, and then you have to get up and do some sort of solemn procession. And you're just praying <laughs> to God it doesn't fall out. You know, in into uh, the top... chancel. So anyway. you know, on SNL, when Chris Farley plays Matt Foley, motivational speaker, uh-huh. and he stands up and he's like adjusting his belt. It's like this. I'm demonstrating for the for Jake's benefit. Y'all can't see it, but anyways, watch Matt Foley, motivational speaker. It's on YouTube. All right, Ooh. this is getting way out of hand. Now let's get right to this college because this college is amazing. Yeah. It's land. too hot to handle. Spiritual, anyway. Too cold to hold. We're spiritual. So yeah. uh, it is very powerful, and it gets right at the heart of. Uh, what kind of Lent, what Christianity, what life is actually all about. Almighty. Can I read it? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you were going to read it. No, okay. you just asked. You made all the announcements. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll read the first sentence, then you do the next. Okay. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command. And desire what you promise, that among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed, where true joys are to be found mm-hmm. through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. That's good. It doesn't get any better than that. And our readings today revolve all around that. Our Old Testament readings from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 to 21, Philippians chapter 3, verse 4b to 14, and then John 12, 1 through 8. 
So we yep. jump right into uh, the prophet Isaiah. And uh, uh, this is, uh, the prophet Isaiah has a, a glorious picture of what God is actually up to. And uh, there are a lot of preaching points here. And uh, anything you want to particularly highlight, Aaron? Yeah, it's talking about the Red Sea and the um, obliteration of Pharaoh's army. Mm -hmm. So that's why it begins with this language about making a way in the sea. The Israelites escape from an impossible situation and certain death, and their enemies are destroyed. And there's something here about uh, God. Uh, I think I think it is appropriate to spiritualize this passage and yes. to see it as a way that uh, God fights our battles for us. God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. God defeats sin, death, and the devil. And um, and so there's that imagery. There's baptism in there that you could talk about. Like this is, the Israelites are saved not because they do anything. They're saved because God is gracious and he does the impossible thing. And then the passage kind of uses that imagery to jump into the, um, this kind of second idea that just like God did that amazing, miraculous rescue of the Israelites and brought them into a new place. He's going to do a new thing again and make a way in the wilderness and make a river in the desert, again do impossible things. And he's, you know, as we would rightly say from our Christian perspective, he's talking about the Messiah here and that mm -hmm. the new thing is Jesus. And yeah, so, yeah, what would you say, Jake? I, I mean, I would say the exact same thing, basically. And especially this is a powerful passage on the eve of Holy Week. As we're getting ready to hit it, you know, uh, so uh, Easter and especially the Easter Vigil are all tied in, beginning on Monday, Thursday, are all tied into the ideas that are seen in Exodus and the deliverance of God from the people of Israel out of Egypt through the waters. And uh, all of these things, as Paul uh, reminds us in 1 Corinthians, I believe, 10, are types and shadows. Uh, they were baptized into Moses, but God is doing a new thing now, and that is through the person and work of Jesus Christ, in order that now by the power of his Holy Spirit, uh, he makes a way in the sea through the waters of baptism, uh, and he uh, brings those in, in his Son. He crushes our enemies. They may not be chariots and horses and armies and warriors, but they are sin, death, and the devil, and they are just as terrifying, in order that um, he does make a way out of the wilderness, which is a real theme in Lent. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, being brought in wilderness just isn't some desert. This is the place where you're like actually tried and you are formed by God. And so uh, to make a way in these places, uh, rivers in the desert. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in a desert, uh, but there are these places called wadis. And when they fill up with water, I mean, it is life giving. It's the only thing that uh, brings any life out there. So uh, this is what God is actually now doing through our baptisms and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Mmm, that's delicious. Mmm. So that but. they, and why does he do all of this? To give drink to my chosen people because Jesus is living water. The people who I formed in my, for myself, uh, we are a new body, a church. And uh, as that church, we uh, don't declare our own praises, but we declare the praises of uh, Jesus himself. I like that jackals and ostriches also get a shout out in this passage. Yeah. Well, they're important. Kind of unappreciated <laughs> animals. All right. So let's move on. Philippians chapter 3, 4b. 
uh, on to verse 14. So this is St. Paul writing to this church that he planted, and he is, like in many places in his letters, dealing with the person and work of Jesus Christ. Why does he matter? Why is the gospel significant? And he's um, arguing with people, not necessarily the Philippians, but people who have tried to convince the Philippians that the gospel is something other than what it is. And there were, as we've talked about before, because this comes up a lot in Paul's letters, that there were these super apostles who would travel around wherever Paul had been and try to undermine his ministry and say, Paul told you this, but really he didn't know what he was talking about. And there's always a temptation in the church today even, and maybe especially, to go back to the law, to try to go back to some sort of observation of rules. Uh, and sometimes it's, you know, at least back in those days, it was like easy, like circumcision, like painful, but clear. And, yeah. you know, you could do it. These days in the church, it's like, you gotta, you gotta, um, like have these feelings all the time for Jesus, or you, you gotta... Um, I don't know, project some sort of image. It's a lot more vague. Yeah, what are you going to say, Jake? Well, you know, I want to give a shout-out to uh, the marvelous Stu Shelby and uh, his amazing assistant, uh, Jared Jones, there at All Saints uh, Winter, Florida. And Jared sent... Winter Park, yeah. Uh, Winter Park, Florida. And uh, Jared sent uh, Stu and I... Uh, or Stu and me, excuse me. Um, Thank you for that correction. I was thinking the, uh, it. I didn't. Want, I didn't want to say it. I know. I know. I, well, I saw it run across your eyes. I felt the judgment <laughs> just hit me right through the zoo. I was like, "Son of a gun!" He went to Harvard. And anyway, so <laughs> so anyway, but uh, watch your p's and q's. Uh, he sent uh, me this sermon from this. Oh, I'm not going to say the guy's name, but anyway, uh, basically the content of the sermon was, you know, if we just do the Ten Commandments, if you just love your neighbor as yourself, if you yeah. just do what you were told we'd all be amazing Christians. Let's just repeat after me. Do what you're told. You know, and uh, and, uh, and these people were like clapping and like, do what you're told. And uh, and I was like thinking, and I was like, Jesus, that must that church must just be hell on earth. And uh, I feel like I gotta call the guy's name out, but I'm not going to, it's just all of my being, but it's a Lenten Put discipline. It Put it it's a Lenten notes. discipline, I'm not gonna, I, we ought to, because this is just the crappiest <laughs> sermon ever made, and all these people are like, yeah, Christians, we just do what we were told. But anyway, this, this mm. is confidence in the flesh. This is confidence in the flesh. It manif- confidence in the flesh so often manifests itself in piety. And what St. Paul is doing here is, so these people are like, I mean, come on, St. Paul's clearly not blessed. He's clearly not doing what he's told, because look at his life. He's always being arrested. He's always this, always that. He's got a receding hairline. You know, he's slightly overweight, all of these things. And uh, he's not doing what he's told. And Paul finally is like, listen, you ever want to hear Paul brag? It's right here in Philippians. It is like, I have more... I mean, listen, this is my resume. I am a badass, is what he says when it comes to the law. I've been doing what I told. And you know what? And this like harkens back to Matthew 5. Lest your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes, you should never inherit the kingdom of God. The point there is not to be like a Pharisee and a scribe. The point there isn't to do what you're told, but actually to look for a righteousness apart from yourself. And this is St. Paul's big idea here. Uh, here is my righteousness. I consider all that other stuff, doing what I was told, loss. It's actually rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. You know, Luther talks about in his commentary on Galatians, 
You know, you cannot be subservient to the law and Christ at the same time. It just doesn't work. You know yeah. what I mean? You are either uh, justifying yourself by works or you are receiving your justification by faith. But uh, the two don't go hand in hand. Yeah, and I think this is one of those great passages too because Paul is so forceful here. Man. And he says that like everything, his his perfect resume, his uh, you know valedictorian of his seminary class, and he did all the perfect spiritual disciplines, uh, all of it, uh, he says that he regards it regards it as loss um, and he says rubbish in verse 8 which is the Greek word for crap uh, for dung I don't want to say a bad word because I don't want to get our first E rating I don't even know if it counts anymore with Sarah Connors I think it's on I, the think, mocking I, think, I think rubbish word. is a little darker than that uh, yeah no it's a, it's a I mean yeah he basically says is I count everything is crap in order that I may gain Christ and so mm. I don't know if it, it, if you, Christian listener, think about whatever you've achieved for the Lord, uh, the things that you pride yourself on your spiritual resume, and this is one of Luther's main points, sometimes those things are actually uh, mortal sins because we, you know, he was using the language uh, in Catholic theology to talk about different kinds of sins, but just those are, those are actually sources of pride and actually cause you to rely on yourself as opposed to rely on Christ, uh, and that is something that actually draws you away from Christ. So he... Uh, it just uh, he rejoices in what God has done for him and realizes the hollowness of all of his own actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, I love the humility. He says, "I haven't obtained this." Um, and it's it's a picture of what it means to to the, the things you do once you are in Christ. Uh, you don't do to earn anything. You do it because Christ has made you His own. In other words, He's doing it through you. Um, and when he says forgetting what lies behind and straining behind and straining to what lies ahead, it's um, it's a putting away any sort of idea that we earn something, that we achieve something, and just saying, look, I'm I'm leaving that whole system of achievement and performance and habits that will be life hacks that will make me more productive. Like I'm leaving all of that behind and just coming to the the throne of grace where mm-hmm. everything is given for free. So. That's a passage that I'll preach, and it's not a very Lenten idea. I mean, you know, it's Lent seems to like lend itself to like spiritual uh, gymnastics in order to impress God, and this passage is sort of the opposite of that. Uh, but I think that's why you preach it all the more. Um, I think the, one of the reasons they picked this passage is because of the idea of sharing in Christ's sufferings, which is in verse ten here, um, and uh, and the fact is we are. Uh, in the death of Christ by virtue of our baptism. And you will suffer as Christ suffered just because you're human. So I would say the the big news here is this idea that uh, Christ is the one who gives us righteousness that's his, not ours. This verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one comes through faith in Christ. That is the business. So that's what you want to mm-hmm. give to the people. Good. Well, then we come to our uh, final, uh, our gospel reading for Lent, John chapter 12. And um, it is a a very, very powerful story. It takes place right after the um, raising of Lazarus from the dead. And essentially what's going on is Jesus is over there uh, with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're throwing a dinner party for everyone. And um, uh, Mary shows up with a pound of costly perfume of not just, uh, you know, 
anything but pure nard. I love that. But anyway, um, and uh, she it's begins to... It's a little bit to... like Dracard Noir, if you've ever smelled that. <laughs> or what, really what is nice. it, red velvet? Uh, so anyway, <laughs> you buy that at CVS for $9.99. But anyway, nice. um, uh, she uh, begins to wipe his feet, you know, with her hair. It's a very touching moment. But what's really going on here, Aaron? How would you preach this? Well, it's, uh, this passage is doing for your congregation through the story with Jesus what kind of we're all supposed to be doing at this period in Lent, which is to get ready for the death of Jesus. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and so we're headed straight into the Passion, we're headed straight to the cross, and this is where Jesus is. So six days before the Passover, hello, mm -hmm. uh, that's exactly where your congregation is, essentially. Um, not not exactly but you know in terms of liturgical time this is what's going to be happening like we are headed towards what we're next sunday we're going to read about uh jesus entering jerusalem on a donkey telling his disciples to get the room ready for passover so this is a week before that and mm -hmm. he's in bethany which is a bedroom community right outside of jerusalem at his friend's houses house um and we're supposed to be thinking about resurrection because lazarus that is there who's been raised from the dead but this, this anointing is uh, preparation, Jesus specifically says, is for his burial. Uh, and that's not, there are other stories where a woman will come and weep on Jesus' feet, use the tears to wash them, dry them with the hair, and anoint with oil. So this is a different story. Um, and uh, this is to remind us that Jesus is about to die. Um, we do see this really interesting exchange with Judas Iscariot, who lies, and he, he pretends to be indignant that the, the perfume is used to Jesus' anointing, yeah. as opposed to sold and used to do good things for the poor, which he doesn't really care about. He just wants to put his hand into the, into the purse and, and yeah. take money. So yeah. I think there's a couple of things that you could talk about, and that is like the distinction between like kind of the act of the, the, this act of generosity, this act of faith uh, that Mary uh, enacts with Jesus versus that of Judas. You know what I mean? Uh, Mary, this this appears reckless. I mean, this this is uh, three hundred denarii that has just been uh, dumped all over Jesus. That, I mean, that's a lot of money. And uh, mm -hmm. versus uh, the what appears to be, I mean, completely a reasonable uh, a reasonable uh, statement from Judas. What are you doing? This should be for poor people. You know what I mean? Uh, what are you? What are you? What are you doing? This? This is taking away from the budget. What do you mean you're doing this crazy thing for newcomers? You know what do you mean you're doing? You know these little things that like everybody seems to be so concerned about. You know, and once again, I mean it's the exposure of piety. You know, uh, for what it really is, it's piety is a farce, and I think that's one of the overarching themes, especially when you take Philippians yeah. and John together. The outside does not define the inside. I mean, that's what we're moving to with Palm Sunday as well. But uh, you have this like complete act, but what's really going on, and this is why, I mean, why John brings this out. It's not just because Judas was the bad guy, but down below, his piety was actually thievery and was mm -hmm. swiping out the joy and the faith and the, uh, and the love that comes from the, from the gift of the resurrection which they were all at this party celebrating. I mean, uh, Mary had been touched by the resurrection uh, in that moment, a type and shadow. And so when this leads to, uh, it wasn't to get something. She didn't do this to save her brother. She did this because her brother had been saved. 
And so the fruit of the resurrection in a person's life is always, it looks so foolish and ridiculous, the fruit of the resurrection in someone's life looks like abundant generosity. And the fragrance of it, the wonderful fragrance of the gospel just fills the room everywhere people go. Piety is actually thievery that destroys and kills the joy of the gospel. Um, you know, and so, and that's like the point, you'll always have the poor with you. That's not some sort of altruistic statement. That's just a reality. Uh, but you do not always have me. And uh, the good news of the gospel is, is that now we have Jesus. He lives with us in our, in our heart. He's closer to us than we could possibly imagine. And our uh, altruism isn't out of like stinginess, like dear Judas, but out of uh, amazing joy and love that, uh, because we've been touched by the resurrection as well. There's this great scene in one of the Family Guy episodes where, where Stewie <laughs> travels back in time and he's at the Last Supper and they've just finished the meal and Jesus is like, so I guess we should all split this 13 ways? And Stewie's over by Judas and he's like, whispers in his ears like, Judas, that is so unfair. Jesus had like five margaritas and you just ordered a salad. And Judas's face darkens and it's... uh. But I will say, Jesus was somebody who wherever he went, there was a party. And he brought that sort of approach to everything. And Mary is showing that kind of display of generosity and not being stingy, as you said. Not like counting pennies and being like, I had, I had ordered a salad, but you had five margaritas. So, um, and, and I think this extravagance is a fruit of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And this is the way that Jesus loves. He loves extravagantly. And I think to the extent that Christians look stingy and look hard-hearted and are always keeping score and are always the behavior police, which sadly we are, that's the reputation in culture and it breaks mm-hmm. my heart. Um, but, because uh, that's not what you see at all in the New Testament when you look at the life of Jesus. And if, if Christians are that way, if we are being stingy and uh, rigid and just kind of brittle, it probably means we haven't really deeply internalized the gospel. If we're so worried about how other people are sinning, um, mm. and our first impulse is not to love them, then we maybe haven't figured out the fact that Jesus loves us. Mm. Uh, and so that's why at Calvary St. George's and St. Albans Waco and all kinds of great churches, uh, uh, and if you want to meet those clergy, come to the Mockingbird Conference in New York, uh, and fellow lay people who are places like that, that's why we just keep reminding people over and over again that they are loved. And gosh, uh, everybody's welcome Amen. Uh, at the cross of Christ. Amen. Well, should, will that do it for Lent 5? I'm feeling good. Well, I'd like to dedicate today's episode to Neil McGowan, the Associate Rector of St. Albans, who's now entering his final month here. He's been with us for five years, and uh, he's going to St. John the Divine in Houston. Aww. Texas and just uh, Neil never listened to this podcast while he was here working for me because I think he felt like well he frankly he got enough of me during the week Uh, Mm. but uh, so if he listens if you're listening now that you're in a new place Neil uh, love you grateful for you and uh, so excited for you in this next call yeah good luck (laughs) (laughs) yes see you later everyone all right happy Lent
Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.